Interested in helping the show? Make a donation to our Patreon. Click the link on idpguys.org. A $1 or more donation will get you access to our patron-only Discord channel, where we will be giving those members exclusive access to mocks, leagues, and other content. $5 or more will get you a special thanks on the show. Special thanks to my Balzac Ertz, our first donor. You're listening to the IDP Guys with Sean, John, and Nathan, the Wizards of Fantasy Football. Your go-to source for the individual defensive player strategy. And now, three guys who could only make an NFL team on Madden. Welcome back to the IDP, guys. My name is Nathan, and I'm here with my co-host, John. Hello. And Sean. Did you just forget my name? I might have for a second. Jesus Christ. Uh, Well, with that, uh, (laughs) let's launch into the first question. (laughs) Would you consider streaming Ryan Fitzpatrick weeks one through three in DFS or in a two QB super flex league? No. Um, They're playing Saints, Philly, Steelers. That's going to be painful all the way through. I I mean, sure, they have some weapons with uh, Evans and Jackson. Uh, not enough though. Um, Fitzpatrick, it, it, I saw that meme where it was like the, the Fitzpatrick circle of life where it's like, you come in as a backup, have a good game, get signed as a backup, suck again, get released. You know, it, it, it's just like the circle of life with him, but it, I'm not seeing it, uh, the first three weeks. What do you think, Sean? I think that in two QB and super flex, you take whatever you can get at quarterback, um, which I think is going to make. Uh, Fitzpatrick valuable there. I think that DFS, there's no reason to stream him. There's plenty of other better options. Yeah. Um, I'm just gonna leave it with Fitzpatrick hype train. Choo choo. What? This week's news. Okie dokie. Nate Nate might have killed some brain cells last night. It was his birthday, and he got close to blackout drunk in a movie theater on accident. Um, (laughs) That I don't drink double IPAs that often, uh, and because of everyone making fun of me in my angry orchards, I tried a nine percent one, and I had like three. (laughs) You just you just went straight for it. (laughs) It didn't taste bad. no, I know. I just think it's funny that you didn't start off with anything else. You just went straight for the straight for the hard stuff. <laughs> <laughs> I don't have to do anything. I just dive right in. Yeah, yeah. It, it, it certainly made an impact on your evening. That's for sure. <laughs> yeah, today was hell at work. <laughs> anyway, so uh, the biggest news this week, obviously, is the Jameis Winston suspension. Three games for the personal conduct policy. Let's just talk about what kind of effect that's going to have on the Bucks. Sean, you're our offensive guy. Tell us what's up. I mean, it's three games. If you're picking anybody based on three games, you're 
probably doing it wrong. Um, that said, it's definitely going to hurt your Mike Evans shares. Um, I don't think it's going to do any favors to uh, Ronald Jones just because in order to run the football, you got to sustain drives. And I don't think that they're going to be able to sustain drives with uh, Ryan Fitzpatrick. So um, something to keep an eye on also is just the uh, backup quarterback syndrome where you see some of the guys that he's practicing, practicing with uh, getting a lot more targets than they usually would. So um, basically if you see any backup wide receivers start blowing up in the first couple of games for the bucks, don't, overreact because it's probably fool's gold yeah sounds good actually i found one more today that i just thought would be worth a second here so uh the edelman suspension uh he's seeking outside counsel because the substance that he was suspended for has been unidentified and also there was mishandling of the delivery and documentation of the test results this case could go to federal court Oh, wow. So uh, what I'm just wondering here is, are we looking at a Brady situation from a couple of years ago where this thing just doesn't die until it gets through all sorts of levels of court? And instead of this being the first four games of, you know, this season coming up, it gets delayed, you know, until later in the season, kind of like with the Zeke thing. Like, is that a possibility, we think? Everything's a possibility. It's really just impossible to tell right now. Um yeah, I, I'm not even going to try and guess when he's going to accept his suspension or if it goes through or any of that, because I think years previous have shown that we know nothing about the way that the NFL conducts its business. Right. Does this affect his overall uh, ADP, do you think, to, for you at least? Yeah, I think it does a little bit for me, um, just because Brady's the type of person who tends to find a favorite receiver. And while that person has been Edelman in the past, you know, if if he's out for a couple of games, he could very well find somebody else that he'd rather be using, you know? Right. Yeah. I think if this does go to federal court, we might be seeing the suspension not actually take place this year. um, Mainly because just remember how long and dragged out it was for Tom Brady and, and his suspension um, going through all the levels of court, um, court does not work fast, uh, generally. So you've got, you know, many different court appearances for, you know, the discovery and all, all as they're trying to dive into and figure this all out. So this could be, this could take up to a year, uh, as far as, uh, you know, I'm seeing it. So, um, what are you guys? I'm just staying away from Edelman. That's it. Yeah. Yeah. All righty, let's talk about gut check. This is the part of the show where we pair uh, a couple players together. We do uh, two sets of defensive players and a set of offensive players. We discuss who we'd prefer, um, either if we're drafting or setting our lineup and why. And then we send it out to you fine folks in Twitter land uh, to get your opinions on it. And then we check the results and see what's up. Uh, So let's talk about last week's gut checks. Uh, The first one um, is Minnesota linebacker Eric Kendricks versus Miami linebacker Kiko Alonso. This had 96 votes and 69% went to Eric Kendricks. 
uh, I mean, it's a, it was a toss up from last year's stats. Uh, I think I went with Alonzo just because I think there'll be more defensive snaps for him overall and less competition with a far less talented defense. But uh, I don't know. Refresh my memory. What'd you guys go with? I don't even remember. I know this was a close one for us, so I'm just, I don't even remember what we picked. <laughs> yeah, I'm pretty sure I went Alonzo with this. But... I think I went Kendricks, but I'm not sure. <laughs> right, right. All right. The next one is also defensive. Tampa Bay Bucks defensive tackle Gerald McCoy versus Phillies defensive tackle Fletcher Cox. Uh, 72 votes, 56% went Cox. I believe we all went Fletcher on that one. Um, so that sounds good to me. Nice. I did not, but no, it's okay. Okay. No. okay. So the last one um, is the offensive one. De- Denver wide receiver Demarius Thomas versus Cincinnati wide receiver AJ Green. 168 votes and 89% went green. Wow. That's uh, I think that's probably the biggest landslide uh, number of votes and percentage wise we've seen so far. Uh, and it matches, I think, what we all said. Did anyone not say green last week? I don't think so. Nope. We all said green. Yeah. Okay. Alrighty, Johnny, you want to bring out this week's gut checks? Absolutely. So uh, we'll start with the offensive. And this one comes to mind because I saw a lot of arguing this week um, about Stafford versus Rodgers and. Stafford not making the top 10 list and, mm-hmm. and people just upset about Stafford period. So I took uh, a couple guys here, one being Stafford, the other being Kirk cousins that had pretty similar stats last year. And we'll throw them together. See what we got. Stafford in 2017 had 371 completions, 4,446 yards, 29 touchdowns, 10 picks. Kirk cousins had 347 completions for 4,093 yards with 27 touchdowns, 13 picks, and Cousins is now in the Vikings, so he has more weapons uh, than when he did in the Redskins, so we have to factor that in. Uh, I'm thinking that I'm just going to go Stafford here just because I, I think with the offseason moves in the draft, they, the run may improve enough to actually have a 100-yard rusher in one of the games this year. We hope. That, that's just a joke, but I think in, in general, the, the run will improve. That'll help balance the offense. Uh, and I, I, Stafford, that was a really that's a solid year. Almost 4,500 yards, you know, 30 touchdowns, 10 picks. I'll take that. Uh, What do you guys think? You can go, Sean. Yeah, I'm taking Stafford here, and I think they're probably pretty comparable for me. Um, The major difference is just that Cousins is moving, and I don't tend to like when players move. So, Yeah, Uh, definitely. Uh, I'm I'm going number nine Stafford here. a lot of it being because I'm a Lions fan and um, I just love Matthew Stafford, uh, but also because he is always slept on. Um, one of the great things about him is you can get him in late late rounds and he usually performs in the top 10 um, and he's fairly consistent as, as a quarterback for fantasy too. Um, he also has some really big games. Last year he had a huge game. Um, yeah, what was the the Saints game? where between the two, there was like uh, the two teams, there was like 80 something points. Wasn't it? Mm, mm -hmm. Um, Yeah, it was was a crazy game. Yeah, it was, it was ridiculous, but um, Stafford is tried and true. He's good. He's all, he's usually always on my team um, because I, you know, I guess I'll reach for him, but still 
you know, I get him in mid mid to late round. So um, definitely Stafford. Sounds good. Can't say I'm surprised by any of that. <laughs> uh, first, <clears throat> excuse me, first of the two defensive, uh, Levante David, linebacker out of the Tampa Bay Bucks, uh, only started and played 13 games last year. But in those 13 games, he had 76 solo tackles, 25 assists, one pass defense, five forced fumbles, uh, one touchdown, no sacks. Going against Brandon Marshall, the Denver linebacker who played all 16 games last year, had 75 solo tackles, 31 assists, three sacks, one touchdown, one forced fumble, four pass defense, no picks, a partridge in a pear tree. Uh, I'm going to go Brandon Marshall by quite a bit. Um, <clears throat> I feel like there's less competition overall for tackles there. David has to deal with Quan Alexander plus that you know front four that's ridiculous with McCoy and Curry and JPP. Um, yeah, just a lot of guys eating up tackles in Tampa Bay. And I think a better offense once Jameis Winston gets back from suspension, uh, Denver's offense should be hot garbage. They should be on defense quite a bit. And if Brandon Marshall can stay healthy, I think he'll blow away Levante David. What say you? Yeah, I think I'm going Brandon Marshall on this one. Um, mainly for the fact that there's not a lot of competition, uh, in that, uh, linebacker core. Uh, we had an article by Gary Van Dyke at H H Bogart 27. If I could speak properly, um, hit the site uh, a couple days ago. Also about the uh, linebacker core in uh, Denver about was it Todd Davis mm-hmm. is the other linebacker next to Marshall and who could be losing his job to Josie Jewell. Right. Um, so they've, they need help. And Brandon Marshall is, you know, a solid linebacker that should be able to eat up some of that production, especially if things are kind of um, rearranging. He can be that constant. So, yeah, I like that take. I'm Brandon Marshall all the way on this. Sounds good. Next one is a pair of defensive ends from the same team uh, Carolina defensive end Julius Peppers has been in the league a long time. I uh, played all 16 games last year, uh, only started five though, but in those five starts uh, and portions of others had 21 solo tackles, 12 assists, 11 sacks, two forced fumbles going against Mario Addison uh, also played in 16 games, but started 16 games had 27 solo tackles, 17 assists, 11 sacks as well, two forced fumbles and one pass defense. So these guys had basically the same stats, but, Addison starts in 11 more games, which is kind of crazy when you look at it. But um, I think I'm just going to go Addison because he's younger. Um, Peppers is kind of seeing the twilight of his career. But, um, yeah, I mean, it's going to be tough for him to keep, you know, match or exceed 11 sacks again this year. So I'm going Addison. What do you guys think? Go ahead, Sean. Yeah, I think I'm going Addison, too. I just I don't like Peppers' age. That's basically it for me. Yep. Um. Yeah, I I just think that at this point, you know, something's gonna he's gonna tail off eventually, and it's probably now. Yeah, yeah. Um, I'm going Mario Addison on this one, uh, because I've I've personally been picking him up in a lot of different places. Uh, I've been doing these mock drafts with uh, Punch Drunk Wonderland or at PD Wonderland on Twitter. Uh, that I I got into. It's all all IDP. And there's like a bunch of it's every position and multiples of them. And I've been just 
grabbing Mar- Mario Addison later um, in, in the late mid to late rounds. Um, and I, I like him, and I think he's got really good value and should be a really good addition um, to any fantasy team. So, But with that, let's uh, turn our focus to Sean's weekly draft uh, excursion. And where are we going this week, Sean? Uh, we're going to the NFC West. Um, we've talked about a lot of these guys, uh, so I'm going to kind of just go over them briefly here. Um, the Rams picked up a couple of players I really liked, but both of them are kind of buried on the depth chart. I really like Obo Okoronkwo. Um, he's a edge rusher for them. Uh, he's good pass rusher, good hand-fighting ability, quick first step, good motor. But, I mean, that defensive line is pretty stacked, so we probably won't see much of him. But, you know, just keeping in mind their cap situation stuff, he could be a decent dynasty stash just because we don't know how that's all going to shake out on that defensive line for them in the coming years. Uh, Then same goes for John Kelly, running back that we talked about a while back with Tyler, I believe. Um, And we both really liked him. That was obviously before he got sent to the Rams and – you know, now he's backing up Todd Gurley, which sucks, but uh, he's basically a prime handcuff candidate for me. Really tenacious runner, can catch the ball, runs well. Um, so, yeah, keep an eye on him. If anything happens to Gurley, he's going to step in and get immediate production there. Uh, we talked about Rashad Penny for Seattle. Um, Nate doesn't like him, and Nate is wrong. <laughs> Uh, so we're just going to leave it at that. He's if, There's definitely concerns with him, but there's concerns with basically everybody in this draft class outside of uh, Saquon Barkley. So, you know, he's not great in pass protection. He didn't show a ton in terms of catching the football. I think that he did it really well in his limited opportunities, and I think that they're probably going to throw to him, but, you know, we'll see. And Seattle's offensive line is obviously trash. So, um Either way, it's a volume play, and I think he's talented enough to carry the volume. Uh, Rasheem Green, defensive lineman for Seattle as well. Uh, Extremely raw, slow first step. He has decent draft capital, but I just I don't like him as a player. I I won't be owning him anywhere, and he's basically strictly dynasty because he is so raw, and he's probably not going to contribute right away outside of maybe sub packages. so I'm pretty much avoiding him everywhere. Uh, Shaquem Griffin, who I'm sure everybody has heard about by this point, uh, linebacker for Seattle. He has the, uh, the one arm, just absolutely amazing story. Uh, he actually is somebody that I could see seeing the field a good amount given uh, like comparatively for where he was drafted. So, um, He's kind of a tough one to sneak past people since everyone knows who he is. (laughs) So I don't know if you're ever going to get him out of value if he starts seeing playing time, but you know, keep an eye on him. I think he might see more, see playing time sooner rather than later. Um, And then you have Trey flowers uh, who his role is kind of unknown right now. He played safety in college. It looks like Seattle's transitioning him to corner which kind of takes his value away unless you're in a corner only league and, I don't know. I That's kind of a wait-and-see player for me. Um, so that clears up Seattle. Uh, moving on to Arizona, 
Josh Rosen, I think, is probably going to start sooner rather than later for Arizona, um, whether it's injury or whether it's, you know, their season being kind of done and them just trying to get a look at who they have for the future. I think we're going to get to see a good amount of Josh Rosen this year, and I think he is a very talented quarterback. Um, so, yeah, if he comes in and he plays well, he's going to do wonders for that offense. Um, you know, Carson Palmer just didn't get it done for them the last couple of years, really, and I don't think Sam Bradford's the answer. So I'm really interested to see how Josh Rosen does this year. We talked about Christian Kirk. Um, I'm not a big fan. I'm definitely interested to see what kind of role he has this year, but I just think that Larry Fitzgerald still being productive kind of takes away from him because Fitz played the slot a lot. And I think that's where Christian Kirk kind of projects to. So um, at least in redrafts, I'm not touching him in dynasty. I might end up with him somewhere. Like I'm not opposed to him as a player so much as I am opposed to where he's being drafted. Um, so I don't, I don't know if I end up in a league with people who are like-minded and don't really ride the Christian Kirk train, then I'm probably, I might end up with them somewhere. Um, the only other interesting one for Arizona for me is Chase Edmonds running back. He's not somebody that I'm particularly intrigued with as a player, but they did spend good draft capital on him. Um, he's obviously going to be backing up David Johnson which is kind of why I'm just a little confused as to why they spent, I think a fourth round pick on him. But, um, you know, that might be a look to the future in terms of when David Johnson gets his next contract and what they're going to do there. I don't know. Um, but yeah, keep an eye on him. Uh, definitely a handcuffed opportunity there and definitely somebody that you may not, be using at any point this year or next year, but, you know, just keep an eye on the situation with David Johnson and his contract and all that. Um, then the 49ers really have the most interesting draft from this division for me. Uh, they start off with Mike McGlinchey, who's obviously going to improve, or I mean, I guess theoretically improve their offensive line. He'll probably play left tackle for them. I think that's what they draft him for. Um, Dante Pettis was a receiver that I really, really liked. Um, and I think he was really underrepresented in the draft community. And then he really had the support of the 49ers in terms of draft capital. So that's definitely somebody that I'm paying attention to and somebody that I'll probably own more often than not in my dynasty leagues, just cause I did like him so much coming out even before the draft capital investment from the 49ers. So I think he could be relevant in redraft leagues this year. Um, and for everybody who's on the Garoppolo bandwagon, I just think that those targets are going to have to go somewhere and they don't have a ton of super intriguing options. there. I think Pettis is probably the most interesting of all of them. Um, we've talked a lot about Fred Warner probably won't start right away, but a player that I really liked that I think is going to get an opportunity at some point during this year um, so definitely keep an eye on him. I'm probably not going to draft him like right off the bat. He'll probably end up on the waiver wire in most places. So, um, he'll definitely, definitely be a priority guy that I'm like waiting for his first chance to hit the field and then buying him on the waiver wire somewhere. Um, Tarverius Moore, very similar, uh, to Trey Flowers where he was a safety that looks like he's being converted to corner. So, 
again, staying clear there. Um, it's kind of a bummer, <laughs> but, uh, I don't know. Cornerback strictly leagues. Maybe, I don't know if he's seeing playing time, he'll definitely be targeted a lot. So, uh, yeah, basically only need to pay attention if you're in cornerback, um, required leagues. Um, Contavious street, good burst holds the point of attack. Well, probably not going to see a lot of playing time for the 49ers. So he can pretty much be ignored. And then the kind of wild card here is Richie James, who is a favorite of a lot of people in the draft community. Um, I definitely liked his game a lot. Uh, some people were absurdly high on him. I wasn't that high, but I was definitely higher on him than uh, where he was drafted. So I think he's a really talented player. More than anything, I think what he does is probably depress the value of Trent Taylor, who I really liked last year, because um, I think they'll probably play a pretty similar role in the offense. So um, that's definitely a battle to keep an eye on because Trent Taylor had a pretty valuable role last year, and I think that uh, Richie James can probably do the same thing if he ends up winning that job. So that's what I've got for the NFC West. Nice. And we're joined today with Ash Thompson, a writer for the IDP Guys website. Ash, how are you doing today? I'm doing spectacular. How about yourself? Very good, very good. Um, so you can find Ash on Twitter at uh, Ashcrack, where the S is a five. So it's A5HCRACK. <laughs> A uh, very good Twitter handle. <laughs> yes, we like to call that a career-limiting move. <laughs> <laughs> nice, nice. So, uh, so Ash, tell us a little bit about yourself, where uh, I, I know you hail outside of the United States, and your background with What's football. was your first clue? I'm, <laughs> I'm so sorry. <laughs> well, uh, yeah, I'm Canadian. Uh, I'm also super old. Uh, <laughs> So, you know, if you're like a 13 year old kid, like don't interact with me on Twitter. That's just weird. I'm out. But (laughs) anyway, uh, football background, like, I mean, I played in high school, yada, yada, yada. Billions of people did. Uh, But since then, it's pretty much been just obsessive watching and fantasy football and research and whatnot. Uh, I have one fantasy league that unfortunately looks like it's dying this year that was old enough to vote in the U.S. Mm, Nice nice that it's dying uh yeah well, well. we're very very excited for your loss yeah yeah it's a spectacular best thing ever uh. <laughs> uh but you know that happens right like leagues blow up that's it's a miracle that the thing went 22 years right yeah yeah uh yeah it's yeah, absurd as far as idp goes i've only been doing it a couple of years but you know it's worked out reasonably well for me i made some money off it last year so nice and so you write for other uh, websites, other places. Uh, tell us a little bit about your writing history. All right. Fair enough. Reasons that someone might actually want to follow me on Twitter. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> the sites I write for, uh, primarily Detroit lions based, uh, DetroitJockCity.com is the one that I'm the, the quote unquote co-expert of, uh, and Detroit lions podcast.com is the, uh, unfortunate way that I ended up connected with Sean and Nate. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. And many, uh, I- for everyone involved. Yeah, it's uh, no pluses for anybody there. <laughs> yeah, uh, 
I edit for that site. If anybody uh, listening doesn't know, and I've had many um, arguments, I would say with with Ash uh, early on in both of our careers with Detroit Lions podcast. That uh, now uh, Ash has kind of surpassed the master in some ways. I would say in all ways, but (laughs) (laughs) set you up there. (laughs) Except podcasting, you're much better at this than I am. Uh, well, I appreciate that. I deny that, but sure. <laughs> so let's talk. Um, you had a article come out recently on idpguys.org. Um, could you tell us a little bit about that? Well, basically, uh, my fantasy football articles are primarily draft theory, uh, just ways to maximize your opportunity within fantasy leagues. And uh, they're probably going to focus look primarily on IDP because that's the nature of the site, but there's also going to be, you know, little nuggets of standard fantasy in there as well to hopefully kind of draw some people in to actually look at the site since, you know, IDP is like 5% of the market. (laughs) Yeah. Yep. It's getting there though. Yep. It's just got some wrinkles that need to be ironed out in the scoring in my opinion, but you know, that's, that's, that's an interesting topic for perhaps a different podcast. (laughs) (laughs) But uh, yeah, this article, basically I go over some, some guys that ended up on IR last year and uh, because they're on IR, when people do their rankings, the early rankings are always just telling you what happened last year. Mm -hmm. So guys that went on IR in week two last year, but were the top three guy and linebacker scoring the previous year, they're, you know, player 2088 on Yahoo right now. Right. Yeah. People, people look way too much into the Yahoo rankings and stuff. You never want to go in and just rely on those rankings. You want to have your own knowledge set up beforehand. If you don't, then you're just doing it wrong. In my opinion. I agree with that 100%. Cause uh, yeah, just uh, Yahoo doesn't know what your league is scoring is one of the huge things, particularly with IDP where there is no real standard on exactly how everything works. So for one league, Janoris Jenkins is worthless. And for another league, could be a really, really solid option just as my first example of a guy who ended up on IR last year. But if you're in a league that forces you to use cornerbacks should probably be on somebody's team. Mm. Mm, Definitely. What other guys stuck out from last year? Obviously JJ Watt, but uh, who else did you come across? You're not getting a deal on JJ Watt though. Right. Right. JJ Watt's still one of the top five, six guys going off the board for IDP. So that's, that's not really the kind of guy I'm talking about. Uh, but same team, uh, Whitney Merciless is a guy who, again, super low ranked on pretty much every ranking website I'm seeing right now. Uh, but given the relative health of Clowney and Watt, uh, he's a guy where, you know, like fantasy is a per game thing, right? It doesn't matter at the end of the year exactly how many points a guy has. If you can use him for half of the season because of injury, he's just as good of a pick as a guy who would, you know, not be as good, but plays in every game, in my opinion. No, I agree 100%. People look a lot into just like total points and there's so much more to it than that. Like consistency also is something that is really important to me. It's just like having guys that can put up points on a week to week basis is more important to me than the guy who's going to put up 50 one week and win you that one week and destroy you the rest of the year. It's just looking at overall points is not the best method to look at things. See, I think you need a combination of the two. Like you want to lean heavily towards those consistent guys, but every once in a while you need some guys to score you 50 points. Right. But you want that upside. You don't want to be relying on those players though. Like you don't want to rely on 
on like touchdown dependent players for your entire team, you know? Nope. Yeah. If you do, you're, uh, you're not going to do real well. No. <laughs> so there was uh, a yeah, uh, Mer- merciless. Who, who else did you come across? Uh, we got uh, Malcolm Smith is another guy. Uh, moved from Oakland to the 49ers. Uh, so he, you know, he wasn't going to get any playing time. Basically they signed Whitehead to replace Smith. Uh, so with the 49ers though, I mean, the two guys on the inside, basically your two nickel linebackers are Ruben Foster and Malcolm Smith. And if I'm a quarterback looking at which guy I want to throw at, it's probably not Foster mm-hmm. out of those two. No, no definitely not. <laughs> so as far as, you know, check downs to running backs, tight ends, that kind of thing, they're all going to Malcolm Smith pretty much in my opinion anyway, unless Foster's not playing and then someone worse might be in there, but then who knows what they're going to do defensively. Uh, if that happens, basically Smith is probably their middle linebacker and he's going to get all of the tackles everywhere because there's nobody else on that team. Like their linebacker core is a dumpster fire mm-hmm. other than Foster. Uh, what do you think about uh, Fred Warner? We're going to talk about him a little later. Just one of your thoughts on him. Fred Warner. I don't have any specific thoughts off the top of my head on him. It's fair enough. He's just a, he's a rookie that I feel pretty good about coming in this year. And, um, I think there's a good chance that he finds oh, some yeah, the time. Third round guy, the BYU guy. Yeah. Yeah. Who's uh, one of the top right. linebackers this year. Yeah. Honestly, if he can beat out Smith, yep. I don't think that's an automatic thing right off the bat, particularly. No, definitely like, not. If I recall I think, correctly, uh, he's a pretty raw prospect. He is, um, like I athletically say, I'd, I'd say next year he'll probably be on my list of guys that will you know, take a step. Right. The only, absolutely. Cause the only guy in his way is a guy that sucks I think because that, he's a rookie that they tend to get yanked on nickel situations a lot. See, and that's the thing is I think he's pretty good in coverage, um, which should help him a good deal, but uh, he's more of a guy that I'm kind of looking at in that linebacking group that, you know, may not get immediate playing time. So he may just fall off people's radar. And then, you know, if the struggles continue, you start to get a little bit of value there on the waiver wire later in the year. Yeah. Particularly if Jimmy Garoppolo is not as good as everybody thinks he is and the 49ers (laughs) are nowhere near a playoff situation, like the back half of the, yeah, yeah. I, I, yeah, I know. Spoiler alert. (laughs) Yeah. The back back half of the year, I can totally see Warner racking up some, some playing time for sure. Nice. Nice. Uh, there were some some name guys like Eric Berry that went out last year. Um, Tyvon Branch too, but it looks like he's probably not going to be a safety um, for the Cardinals this year. Uh, what about some more unknown guys that you came across that people might want to put on their list for drafting this year? Well, unknown guys is a little bit kind of like I don't like unknown guys, like completely unknown. Well, lesser known. Uh, well, I guess is Jamie Collins unknown? Because uh. <laughs> <laughs> the guy's number 825 on Yahoo's ranking system, right. which, like, bluntly, in most leagues, whatever thing you're drafting on, most people are looking at the next 15 guys and picking a name that they remember. Yeah, they're not going to see him exactly, right? Yeah, he's, he's just never going to show up there. And because last year the Browns had two really good fantasy linebackers, they're not looking for a third fantasy linebacker out of that team. But honestly, if Greg Williams is taking Jamie Collins off the field in any situation that doesn't involve Jamie Collins being injured. He's making a terrible mistake, which he does frequently. <laughs> well, yeah, yeah. Don't get me wrong. Uh, there, there, nothing is coach proof. <laughs> it's amazing to me how much these coaches affect 
everything. Like, like we, it's something that a lot of people just overlook where, yeah, we look at the schemes like three, four, four, three and all that stuff. And like the big names, you know, like Kyle Shanahan offenses and stuff like that. People tend to dig a little deeper into that stuff, but in general, it's something that's really overlooked where like the coaches have so much impact on these guys production just because like they get to decide what situation these players are put in. And it's just such a wild card that we deal with every single year. Yep. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So uh, one of the uh, guys that I'm kind of keeping an eye on, that's I would call probably a little bit lesser known and he got injured last year. uh, Raekwon McMillan out of uh, Miami. Uh, He was a rookie coming in. um, And then I I believe he was injured around the time that Tannehill, went down but he, he's back and um looking at i believe he's taking that middle linebacker spot in their mm-hmm. in their uh defense what do you think of him honestly he was my second ranked linebacker in last year's draft mm-hmm. it was three uh, for me so as a, as a lions fan i was desperately hoping the lions would take him in the second round uh because i just wasn't that enamored with last year's linebacker group i'm not you know bragging on Jared Davis, who is actually a guy who could very well take a massive step this year mm-hmm. just because of opportunity. Uh, but, you know, as far as McMillan goes, there's, again, not a lot of competition there. And he is a fairly athletic guy who, if he is healthy, will be playing on nickel downs and will have the opportunity to be very successful fantasy-wise. Nice, nice. So uh, speaking of Jared Davis, um, we've talked a bit about uh, the Lions defense and and the whole Matt Patricia coming in and in a way kind of screwing it all up in fantasy sense, not, <laughs> not so much, uh, yeah. you know, as a fan, I, I love what he's going to do, but um, are you wh- saying the lions defense is like a box of chocolates, Nate? Yeah, that's what it, uh, that's what it's sounding like. So, so what do you think of um, this new defense with uh, Jared Davis and what kind of production? Cause there's a lot of people that are saying he could take a step forward, but if, they're changing up the defense from, I mean, I've heard some pretty wild claims of what they're, they're trying to do there. Um, but how is that going to affect his production? Do you think? Honestly, if I'm taking Jared Davis, it's at, it's as my fourth linebacker. Mm-hmm. I, I have virtually no interest in him just because you have absolutely no idea what you're going to get. And he was so God awful in coverage last year that if they, if he does that again, he's just not going to play. Mm-hmm. Like the Lions have a couple better options in terms of nickel defense if he doesn't improve from last year. Uh, like Jalen Reeves Mabin, if you're looking for a deep, deep, deep league flyer, is a guy who could very well steal Davis's nickel snaps and isn't actually much worse in terms of run fills. He was just kind of injury prone in college. Mm-hmm. And uh, a guy who could surprise some people on a week to week basis is Christian Jones. Uh, for the Bears last year in the second half of the year, if you look at his per game tackle numbers. It's uh, on par with some of the best guys in the league. Right. Yeah. Reeves Mabin's a player. I like a good deal. His size is a little concerning to me, Um, but that's kind of just the direction the NFL is going where, you know, the size is not nearly as much of an issue as it used to be because it is such a pass heavy league. And since the linebackers are used in a lot of coverage situations rather than like the old style thumper linebackers that you used to see. So I'm very intrigued to see what uh, Jalen Reeves Maven does this year. It's that effect actually that has me really interested in seeing what the Raiders do this year. 
Because I, I honestly believe with the makeup of most defenses, if you just lined up in I formation with a really big tight end and ran directly at them, like most teams' rosters just can't deal with that anymore. Yeah, I mean, the Titans were a pretty good example of that, I think. Uh, yeah, like there's no 265-pound strong side linebacker on anybody's roster anymore, you know? No. So if you just line it up and run it right at them, like these little 230-pound guys are just going to get cleaned out. Well, it's funny how that works. I just like it like the smash mouth football just basically went out of style because it became such a pass heavy league. And now defenses had to adapt to that. And it's actually made that kind of smash mouth style a little more effective than it was, you know, maybe five years ago. Yep. Yeah. And I think, you know, the reason it became a pass heavy league is because you had just a plethora of amazing quarterbacks come in. Yeah. Like, you know, like basically Tom Brady, yada, 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 just go down the list. You know, there's 10 guys who in the eighties probably would, any one of them would have been the best quarterback in the league, possibly other than Dan Marino, as far as the skill yeah. set thing goes. No, absolutely. It's a, like just the quarterback talent. And we're, we're kind of at a weird impasse in the league where um, a lot of those guys that kind of changed the league and turned it into a passing league are getting ready to retire, you know, with, it's started with Manning, obviously. Um, but you got Manning, Brady, Breeze, Roethlisberger, all the, all those guys are kind of on the verge of retirement now. And so you're looking at basically a bunch of players that are going to have to take the reins. And if they don't, you're going to probably see a stylistic change with the NFL again. Well, and I think that's part of why you're seeing a little bit of a running back renaissance right now is teams are realizing like, yeah, that passing league thing is great if you have a quarterback, but if you're the Titans and Mariota's having a bad day, not so much. Which you is know? most days. Yeah, exactly. That's <laughs> honestly, you can say that about 20 quarterbacks in the league, though, that most weeks they're not the guy who's going to win you the game. Right. Yeah, it's uh, it's definitely it's definitely a different caliber of quarterback that we've been seeing lately, where even like Jared Goff, who I like a good deal, you don't see him carrying the team the way, you know, it still rides on the back of Todd Gurley, you know? Oh yeah. He's, that, yeah. Just, Goff's absolutely a passenger. That's 100% on that one, but it was the same yeah. way with uh, like big Ben in his first few years, you know, he didn't win that team a super bowl. Although, you know, later in his career, he gets credit for, you know, came in as a rookie and won the super bowl. Same with Flacco. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, you put Flacco's me on that great. team and there's a pretty good <laughs> chance we win the super bowl. <laughs> Goddamn Joe Flacco. <laughs> nice, nice. Well, um, so any other names uh, anyone has to throw in uh, for uh, injured players? Kind of getting back to the, the IDP portion of the show. Uh, Fair enough. Can I give you a linebacker I hate this year? Yeah. Sure. Blake Martinez. Same. Yeah. All right. Tell us why. I'm not sure if you guys have been on that one. Uh, well, honestly, it comes down to the Packers offense isn't going to be as terrible as it has been. Right. You know, like last year, any any fantasy relevant player on the Packers defense last year is going to probably get about 75 percent of their opportunities that they got last year. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I agree entirely that. Plus, I just think Blake Martinez is an overrated player in general, mm. but well, he's not a good player, but most good fantasy linebackers aren't particularly good players. You know, like you got your five, six guys that put up giant tackle stats because they're amazing. But then everyone else that's in the top 20 in tackles is because they suck in coverage. Well, because they suck them. or because they're just in a really good opportunity. If you take away that opportunity for Blake Martinez, the talent isn't enough to isn't enough to overcome that, I think. Mm -hmm. Yeah, for sure. Uh, speaking of opportunity to hear Whitehead with the Raiders. Yeah. 
being thrust back into the middle linebacker role that he vastly proved he was completely incapable of filling. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we call that the, uh, the whitehead effect. Deep, deep dive. Oh, yeah. <laughs> deep, deep dive behind him is Derek Johnson from the Chiefs. Yep. Who they also signed where he's not going to get on the field until they figure out that whitehead sucks. So if you're looking for a handcuff situation, you know, like if you have a lot of bench room, basically, if you have Whitehead, you might want to take Johnson because when Whitehead gets benched, it will be for Johnson. Right. And yeah. And if you're in a deep league, that's definitely an interesting move for sure. Yeah. It's not something that, you know, don't do that in the third round. Like if you take any of these <laughs> players in the third round and lose, don't, don't at me on Twitter because you're stupid. And that's not the idea here. Don't Every single guy I mentioned. <laughs> hell, yeah. <laughs> but any of the uh, any of the guys we're talking about here, like this is this is not your starting players for the most part. Hopefully, unless you did something horribly wrong. Yeah, yeah. If it is, you messed up. <laughs> nice, nice. Well, thanks, Ash, for uh, for joining us here. We had a, a good chat. Um, for anyone out there listening, uh, check him out on Twitter. He is at Ashcrack, where the S is a five. That reminds me of the the South Park uh, was a candy where the 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 N comes has a dick and comes down and fucks the A or something classy classy <laughs> that's the one I'm thinking about classy uh, so nice. but yeah at eight uh, Ash Crack on Twitter uh, Ash Thompson uh, thank you for for coming on thanks for having me finally get you on here it's been uh, a year. We've had this podcast. And yeah, I think I was on like episode four or something yeah, like that. You know, we were trying to remember if that, if okay. that, yeah, I think we did have him once. Nice. I think yeah. that was before I right. even joined the show. Right. Yeah, it was. Nice. Yeah. All righty. Thanks, man. All right, bye. Article Deep Dive. All right, so this week's article, um, we're going to go through um, Brian uh, DFF, at Brian DFF. He's one of our writers. Uh, We all did a mock draft, an all-IDP mock draft, and uh, he wrote up a pretty good kind of description of it. We all kind of gave our input, but we're going to talk about it on the show. Um, John, you want to take it away? Uh, sure, sure. So I figured each one of us at least could go through our teams real quick and then uh, we could touch on other things we saw. Uh, it was a four linebacker, two defensive end, two safety, four bench, or how did it end up coming out? There was, there were some flex spots, right? Yeah, it was two, two flex D. So basically, so basically four linebackers. Yeah. (laughs) Right. Gotcha. I went with, uh, Zach Brown as the first pick. I was pretty happy with that. Uh, I don't remember in what order I got these in, but the four linebackers were Zach Brown, KJ Wright, Brandon Marshall, Wesley Woodyard. So very happy with that with backups being Zach Cunningham and Raquan McMillan. So I figured, you know, I could start, uh, Brown, Wright, Marshall, and Woodyard will battle with Cunningham and McMillan and whichever guy I think has the best matchup would be that last flex spot right there. Uh, the two defensive linemen are Khalil Mack and Chandler Jones with Bradley Chubb as a backup. I was pretty happy with that as well. Uh, safety, I went young and a little risky. I went with uh, Kevin Biard and Buda Baker, who both project to have really good seasons. But Biard, uh, who knows? It, it uh, If he matches last year's stats, it'll be great. Uh, I don't know if he'll improve. Cyprian kind of had a down year last year. So if he comes back to life, that could steal from Biard a little bit. 
But I got Eric Berry as a backup there. So, you know, worst case scenario, I put in the tried and true veteran instead of one of the young studs there. Um, and yeah, that's that's what I ended up with for my team. Uh, who wants to go next? I'll, I'll go. I'll jump in here. Jump ahead of Sean. Uh, yeah, I'm trying to find mine still. So, <laughs> oh, okay. Well, if you can pull up the uh, article, it's in the the draft boards in the article. Um, oh, we got it. I got it. You got it. Cool. Okay. So uh, I drafted from the three spot. So I went with uh, it's kind of my go to move uh, between the last two years. But uh, Rashad Jones, number one. Uh, and then I did Alec Ogletree for my linebacker uh, at the second um, when it when it came back around to me. But my uh, let's see, my defensive backs, you know, safeties. I did Rashad Jones, Derwin James, and I don't actually have a backup for that, but um, I think, but you know, those two guys, I, I'm really high on Derwin James in, in the Chargers, um, and Rashad Jones is pretty consistent outside of that one year that he was injured. Um, for my linebackers, I like I said, Alec Ogletree, I got Miles Jack, Matt Milano, Reggie Raglan, um, and then I took some some shots after that for my backup um players navarro bowman josh Bynes, and fred warner um navarro bowman doesn't currently have a team but once he does land somewhere he's bound to be uh worth uh, quite a bit at least enough to take a flyer on him in one of the later rounds i got him in the ninth round um and then josh Bynes, fred warner my last two picks josh Bynes could end up being a starting middle linebacker in arizona so getting him um, in the 11th round is pretty, pretty good um, for the defensive line. Um, I got JPP, Geno Atkins and Mario Addison I believe Geno Atkins is a defensive tackle. Yeah, I think you're going for the other uh, guy there in Cleveland. Yeah, I, I can't remember his name at the moment. Screwed up on that one for sure. But um, I was also doing a draft, uh, as I said before, with PD Wonderland. And they have defensive tackle spots, and I just drafted Geno Atkins there. So, uh, but I, I saved it by getting Mario Addison in the tenth round. So that worked out pretty well. Um, overall, I I really like my team. I like my uh, my depth, and I think my weakest spot really is that defensive line because of Geno Atkins pick. Um, and then I would definitely need to figure out a, a backup safety uh, for bye weeks. What about you, Sean? So we were doing this slow style draft <laughs> and I work different hours than everybody else. And I wake up to frantic messages from Nate telling me <laughs> to make my pick. So I'm half asleep on about like, you know, I got home from work probably four hours before that I'm just completely asleep and just basically picked up my phone and made a pick <laughs> just to, just to let the draft keep rolling. And I took Daniil Hunter and that was a terrible pick and I didn't like it in the first round. Um, so we're just going to forget that one happened. And then <laughs> it came back to me and I felt pretty good about my draft after that. So I, uh, I took, Basically, I was at the 11 slot, so I had pretty close to back-to-back -to -back picks. Um, 
so basically I was just looking at it and if there was a player of value at us at a non linebacker position, I'd take him. And if not, then I'd take a linebacker. And that's just basically how I did it the whole way through. Um, and I tried to, in the first few rounds, take one linebacker in one other position. So I ended up with Deion Jones in the second, which I'm pretty thrilled with. I thought that was uh, really good value, especially given that um, he came after Luke Keekley. And I like Deion Jones on a full year basis more than I like Luke Keekley here. Um, then third round, I took Sean Lee. I was pretty happy with getting him. And then the next time around, I got Earl Thomas. So I think is a very underrated safety prospect this year. Um, then I got Demarcus Lawrence, uh, all the way back in the fifth, which I was really happy with. Um, I think that he probably should have gone a couple of rounds earlier, but I really liked getting that value there. Uh, Micah Hyde, I waited a little longer than I wanted to on safeties. I was realistically about to grab Buda Baker and then John came and stole him right before <laughs> I took Demarcus Lawrence. Uh, so I ended up having to wait a pick and took Micah Hyde and I was happy there. And then I started grabbing kind of the bargain linebackers. Um, so I grabbed Mark Barron, Danny Trevathan, Jalen Smith, and Anthony Hitchens um, over the back end of the draft. And I was really happy with all of that. Uh, the only pick at the end that I kind of was a little uh, little iffy on was Minka Fitzpatrick. And realistically, the only reason I went there is because uh, the only players I really liked at that stage of the draft were linebackers. And I didn't need another linebacker. I had five, six of them already. So I grabbed uh, Minka just strictly on upside, even though I think he probably is, you know, roster cut material. Um, but yeah. I, uh, I ended up pretty happy. I had Jadavian Clowney in there as well. Nice. nice. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I I thought your roster definitely looked good. Definitely. Getting Deion Jones right there. You're, I was just about to grab him too because you were on the way back and you were right in front of me. So. Yeah. Yeah. So we kind of screwed each other over at, at, at different points. <laughs> yeah, thanks for that. Yeah, no <laughs> problem. I'm, I'm looking at the, the total draft board right now and noticing that uh, Joe Schobert didn't get drafted at all. Mm-hmm. which I'm pretty proud of for, for our team. And uh, considering the hype on Joe Schobert right now, I mean, we're still getting um, questions on Twitter from people looking at our rankings and, you know, questioning why we don't have Joe Schobert on there. And, you know, if you listen to the show, you understand that um, Michael Kendricks is coming in and is probably going to win that spot totally. So, well, if not, it'll take all the passing downs and, Right. You know, plus their offense is going to improve exponentially. There's going to be a lot less snaps for them. Um, yeah. just, just a lot of bad things happening to uh, Joe Schobert. Right. And then, so Joe Schobert, then Blake Martinez went in the fourth round. Yeah, that seemed like a bit of a reach. Uh, yeah, uh, I'm not going to say the name, but Blake Martinez, then Demario Davis, those felt like two, you know, fall on your face picks right there. Um, Demario Davis had a great year on the Jets, but it, now he's in New Orleans. Uh, with a far, far, far better offense. He's going to have a ton less snaps. He's not going to come anywhere close to what he did last year. Uh, so I didn't like that. But uh, Preston Brown on the same team, too. So I I guess I'll be quiet about this team now. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, especially later rounds. Like, um, I picked up Miles Jack after that. Roquan Smith was still there. Um, let's see. Matt Milano, which I ended up getting in the seventh round after Preston Brown went. Um, yeah, it's just... Uh, 
I like uh, it's uh, the, the the other Tyler ONU. Uh, what's his last name? Joseph. Yeah, Tyler Joseph had. Uh, I thought he had a really good draft too. He grabbed uh, Christian Kirksey, who is probably the guy in Cleveland linebacker wise that's gonna still be great this year. He grabbed uh, Tremaine Edmonds. He got Perfect later, which was good value. Um, he got Yannick and Geekway yeah. uh, in like the eighth or whatever. Like that's great. The ninth round. Ninth there. round. That's awesome. You got Jaquiski Tart in the 11th, right. which was awesome. And Marcus Stavenport to uh, finish it off. I think he did a really great job with his team. Yeah, absolutely. I, I think everyone did a good job, um, minus the certain person who did Blake Martinez. Well, every, I feel like everyone made mistakes. I, I, made, yeah. a, I, I made a mistake, certainly. Um, I, I shouldn't have gone Eric Berry when Jaquiski Tart was still there. Eric Berry... Is I wouldn't say injury prone, but if you look at his numbers, he hasn't played like a full season in a while, and uh, his his numbers overall are trending downward, whereas Tarts are trending upward. Um, so I feel like I screwed the pooch on that, and you know I feel like everyone had at least one mistake, but uh, overall I think there's some really good teams here. Yeah, for sure. Uh, so any other uh, things you're seeing in this, or you want to move on? Um, no, nah, I mean, we could probably move on, uh, but we can post the, uh, the teams, the, the, the picture of the draft board or something afterwards. Well, it, it's, it's on, um, oh, it's on the article, right? On the article on IDP guys.org called IDP beginner series, all IDP mock draft version one. Um, so definitely check that out and make sure and follow, uh, Brian DFF, uh, at Brian DFF. I, I know his last name. He was on our last show, but. Derario. Yes. That's it. Brian Derario. You got it. Um, so you know, give him a follow, give it a read, and check out our team. Our well, our teams, mock teams. But so with that, let's uh go to a segment that we put down for a week, but we're picking it back up. Too hot, too furious. Uh so hot it's already a sequel. Um, where we give a hot take that we think could happen um and defend it and then we put it out there for the twitter people to uh to tell us which hot take they like the best so let's uh go over the previous hot take that we didn't uh cover last week um this one we had uh i said uh the browns will get eight wins mm-hmm. um john you had you only need Bills IDPs to make the playoffs. Yes. yes. To make the playoffs. Right. And then Sean had McKinnon will fall outside uh running back 20. So we got 132 votes on this poll and 48% went to Browns getting eight wins. That's back to back wins for me. Congratulations, I guess. Yeah. I don't uh, know. Lowest common denominator votes for Nate. <laughs> yeah. So um any any other takes on that or do we want to start dishing out some uh, hot takes here? Whatever you want. All right. You want to gloat a little more, go for it. <laughs> well, I'll gloat with uh, my newest hot take, which this one won't win. I know this won't win. Um, so my hot take is that JJ Watt will retire after this year and this year will not be good for him. Um, he is 29 years old. Uh, and he's just had just just recovered from back surgery. Uh, he had I don't even he, he's been out 
with injuries the last two years and really kind of screwing fantasy owners because he always goes so high. He's always like the top. I mean, two years ago, he was the number one IDP to draft. Um, and then he had his injury and, you know, hasn't really played that much. Last year when he did play, he didn't put up that great of numbers. Um, so I'm saying that, you know, it's going to be more of the same this year and he's going to hang up his cleats and maybe go into fundraising or something. He, he excelled at that last year. I could see the second part. I can see him not having a great season, but I think if Deshaun Watson stays healthy, they're going to make the playoffs. And why would he leave a team that's trending upward? This is true. I'm I'm thinking he you know gets injured and kind of forces his hand. That's where I'm I'm at with this. What do you think, Sean? What do I think about your take? Or are you asking for mine? <laughs> no, no. Let's get your reaction first. Yeah, to get, Nate's take. We gotta get a reaction. I- I think it's possible. I think it's unlikely. I think it would be along the same lines as the Kelvin Johnson type thing where it would take everybody by shock. He's not even remotely old enough that I would think it's time for him to consider it. But, you know, people are unpredictable when they're, you know, starting to get later in their career and they have uh, and they have all these injury issues, especially when you're making the money that he's making. It's just like, man, what's the point? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Right. And that's been a more common theme now is guys retiring while they still have, you know, m- their brains intact and whatnot. So I, it's possible. It's certainly possible. All right. So, Sean, you came in at number two. Uh, so do you want to go? Yeah, I think Deshaun Watson's going to end up outside the t- top 10 quarterbacks. Um, and this is one that I'm not like super sure of because we didn't see enough of them last year for me to make a definitive opinion. My thought on this is, is that I don't think that he's going to be good enough to justify where he's going to be drafted. And if I had to put a number on it, I would say that there's a good chance he ends up outside the top 10. Um, I just don't know that we saw enough to have him be like the, proven like solid player that everybody seems to have crowned him. And I also don't know how he's going to recover from his injury. And I think that the touchdown rate that he had with Will Fuller was unsustainable. I just think there's a lot working against him to expect him to be as good as he was last year. And granted, he doesn't have to be as good as he was last year to end up inside the top 10. But I think if you're putting him inside the top 10, you're also saying that a lot of these players that probably are in that same range are going to be worse than him. And I think that the same people that are hyping up Deshaun Watson are the same people hyping up Jimmy Garoppolo and Carson Wentz coming back from injury perfectly well and stuff, you know? So I think that at least somebody's going to get left out of that group. And I think that Watson's definitely possible. So Watson had what an ACL tear? Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, I believe so. So, do you think that affects his running ability? Yeah, I mean it's it's so, really tough bit. to say. Sorry, go ahead, John. No, no, I was just gonna say probably probably somewhat. I mean, even if not physically, mentally. Like, remember how uh, jittery Brady was in the quarterback the year after his ACL and Carson Palmer too. Like, just mentally, it screws with you a little bit. But go, uh, sorry, go ahead, Sean. Yeah, I just, I don't know. It's tough because people return from injuries pretty well now. Um, so it's, uh, 
it's always it's always tough to predict how people are going to recover because it's all just individual basis. Yeah, yeah. I think the upside with Watson really um, is his ability to keep the the play going and, and to make those runs. And if you take the the run away from him, then I think that you are absolutely correct that I don't see a way he could break into the top ten. Uh, but with that running ability. Um, it's, I, I could see it. I could see him I, obviously not having the same effect he did last year, because I think if you were to, um, you know, what quantify that out to a full season, he would be like breaking numerous, uh, records and, um, it's just not sustainable as far as uh, a production wise, but I could see it going either way. Yeah, and, and last year was such a small sample size, too. Like, it, people barely had any film on him by the time, they, you know, he was playing them. I, I think defenses will adjust, too. Um, those numbers were just too ungodly to, yeah. to, to have go on all year. So I, I, I think I'm with you on that, too. They were nice if you uh, were able to get in on them. Yeah. That's for sure. Yeah. Yep. Right. Okay, so mine is is not a future thing. It's a past thing, and it's completely subjective, so I'll probably end up in third place again. But it's <laughs> uh, it's more an advertisement for my article coming out. The, uh, the 2007 season was the most entertaining in the history of the NFL. Uh, and I know that's a bold statement, but when you think about all the crap that happened in it, it's, it's not that far away, I don't think. So uh, just looking at the teams involved, uh, you've got the Browns that went 10 and six, missed the playoff by a tiebreaker with the Titans. That was the Titans season that Vince Young was at quarterback and won 10 games and got them to the playoffs. So that's that's crazy right in itself right there. Just those two teams right there. Uh, you've got Phillip Rivers uh, took the Chargers to an 11 and five record. LaDainian Tomlinson had 2000 yards from scrimmage that year and Rivers played the entire AFC championship game with a torn ACL and only lost to the Patriots by nine points. I believe it was, huh. uh, that year was also the NFC title game was green Bay with Favre's last year, at quarterback there. Uh, he had ungodly numbers too. They're written down in here somewhere, but that was the, the frozen tundra game where it was like negative one degree at kickoff and windshield was like negative 24 and Tom Coughlin's face almost freezed off. Um, <laughs> I showed Nate that game on uh, YouTube the other day. So like Coughlin's face was like purple. Like, yeah, it was completely ridiculous. Uh, that year also uh, the Cowboys went 13 and three. That was Romo's one of his only seasons that he actually played the entire season without getting injured. <laughs> uh, T.O. was there that year. So there was the popcorn shit going on and, and he had a great year. And, um, God, who else? The Redskins made the playoffs that year with Clinton Portis running. Like th there were just so many random events that happened in one year that like stuff like Peyton Manning having 31 touchdowns and 4,000 something yards didn't even matter. Like it was just like a cliff note during that season because of all the crazy shit that happened that that all obviously came to a head with the 18 and 0 Patriots going into the Super Bowl as 12 point favorites, which is the uh, seventh highest uh point spread in NFL history going into a Super Bowl against the Giants and losing. Yeah. Yeah. And, and essentially what is the last minute of the game on the crazy David Tyree helmet catch and then uh, the Plexico Burris uh, touchdown. Uh, so, you know, when you combine all those things together throughout the course of a season, I, I can't remember in my God, God, 29 years of watching football now 
uh, there being a more. How the fuck old are you? Thirty-five. Okay. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> my my dad started me young. <laughs> I I wondered why he was yelling at the TV as a child, and then uh, figured it out pretty quick. Yeah. Um, You're like, I want that. <laughs> yeah. I was like, what is what is making him so fucking crazy right now? <laughs> But, uh, yeah, I can't remember a better season. I mean, 99 was close with Kurt Warner, you know, coming out of uh, the grocery store, essentially, to lead the Rams to the one-yard short uh, Super Bowl, which was incredible. But other than that, I can't remember a better season. I mean, it, you, you guys tell me. What do you think? I, I think that you're going to catch some flack from the Patriot fans uh, that follow us. That's fine. That'll probably be it. But, uh yeah, and, and so I'm trying to think, 2007, so that's the year before the Lions went 0-16, so I don't even know what was going on there. Uh, what, we had Joey Harrington, or was Dan, Dan O there? Do you remember, Sean? I don't know off the top of my head. Yeah, but obviously we were going downhill fast. Um, but yeah, I, I wasn't a football fan at the time, so I really can't. Uh, it's it's too, too it's too bad, man. It was it was an emotional season for a lot of reasons. <laughs> yeah, it was two years after that that I met you and you uh, connected me with football. So yeah, uh, here we are now. Yep. But all right. So uh, it, any last minute thoughts on our too hot, too furious takes? Yeah, listen to the show before you vote. <laughs> Okay, so for this week, we got some World Cup action for you. Uh, England, Belgium, Thursday, 2 o'clock, Group G. Uh, These guys are currently tied right now with six points apiece at the top of their uh, table, uh, Group G table. And they're both through, so they're really not playing for anything except the overall group winner. Uh, Belgium's uh, star striker, Lukaku, is injured and probably won't play this game. So England looks like the favorite, but the money line favors Belgium. It's plus 190, so $10 gets you 19. And England traditionally finds some way to screw up during the group stage. I feel like this is where it's going to happen. Belgium's going to get the win and end up being the group winner. So I think with that price, you're probably going to want to go Belgium plus 190. Once again, that's Thursday at 2 o'clock, Group G. Belgium, um, excuse me, yeah, Belgium over England. That's where I'm going this week. Nice, nice. Cool. So there there we have it, Johnny the Greek. Uh, make sure and visit the idpguys.org and subscribe to the show. Uh, you can find it on the sidebar to the right. We're on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play. Also, follow us on Twitter uh, at IDPGuys or individually. I'm at Nate Cheat. John is at OrangeMan3142. And Sean, whose name I forgot at the beginning of the show, is at Lanny1925. If you'd like to help us out, you can donate on Patreon, patreon.com slash IDPGuys, or go to the site. Uh, We have a nice big orange block that says uh, uh, Patreon. Uh, to donate. Uh, if you do donate, uh, you get access to our Discord channel, and there's an exclusive uh, Discord channel just for Patreon donors. Um, as the main uh, channel f- kind of fills up with everyone coming in for free and, and chatting, the Patreon channel will stay uh, fairly, you know, that, that one will be a little more exclusive. 
we're offering um, things like access to mock drafts, access to, uh, you know, leagues with the writers and with uh, John, Sean, and I. And anything that kind of comes up, uh, we might give away a free T-shirt or something in there. Um, also, uh, the fantasy football uh, listener leagues are being formed now. Uh, make sure and contact us. You can email me, uh, Nate, or, well, no, not Nate, Nathan at idpguys.org. That's N-A-T-H-A-N at idpguys.org. Um, and we can get you in. It's a free all IDP league on yahoo and um we're kind of seeing how how many people we've got one almost filled up right john yeah we're pretty we're, we're like 70 percent filled on the first one how many you got in yours i think i'm about 40 percent filled right now um so we've got plenty of space and if we get an overwhelming um response we'll add more um and so you can email me like I said, uh, Nathan at idpguys.org or just um, hit us up on Twitter, uh, DM uh, at idpguys. Um, also, make sure you're checking the website for new content. We put out something almost every day now, uh, which is pretty exciting. We've got writers uh, putting out great work and uh, you know, following us on Twitter or checking the site. You'll get access to all this great IDP content. So with that, um, really glad to be done with the show. I don't have a headache, but I did have a hangover this morning. 